Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. Warning, the following episode contains discussion of sexual violence involving children. If you or someone you know has been the victim of sexual assault, call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673 in the United States or the Rape Crisis Network Europe at 440-141-331-4180. Listener discretion is advised. Often throughout this series, uh, we have had to listen to both Bella and Edward discuss their own personal theory on... uh, tolerable amounts of pain how much pain can you possibly tolerate or they classify certain things as being painful but that is a pain that i can handle this other thing is not a pain that i can handle and i think that i've come up with my own personal scale of the amount of pain that i can handle um the least amount of pain that I could possibly imagine is closing a book on my finger by accident. <laughs> um, the largest amount of pain I can imagine is <laughs> then having to reopen that book and it being Stephanie Meyer's Midnight Sun. <laughs> So you finally got to that point, too. <laughs> it's like, it's fine, but there's so much of it where I'm just rolling my eyes and just like, oh my god. I think it's because in the first five chapters, everything Edward was saying, I was like, okay, okay, like, I'm getting your perspective, I'm hearing it. But it's like we said last episode, he just says the same shit over and over and over again. Stephanie Meyer? Uh, 800 pages wasn't necessary. I was, re- I was, I literally, I read last night, and I was like, we're at page 463. We're almost to the end of the original Twilight, and there's still, like, a third of this book left. And all of that extra space is just fluffed out with Ed being like, when's she gonna run away? Yeah. When's she gonna... R- I'm a monster. Is this going to be the thing that makes her leave? No, Edward. She wants your marble dick. How can I misinterpret the things that she's reacting with every time? His misinterpretations are so bad at this point. It's every single time she says something, he, like, reacts incorrectly because he's like, oh, I didn't understand what she was saying. I didn't take note of it, but there was only one, there was literally one reaction she had in the meadow scene where I understood why he would take it the way he did, but then he was like, oh, but I figured out why she was actually reacting that way. And I was like, but But wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, why did you, how did you figure that one out? Even though that one clearly makes it seem like she's... (laughs) Creeped out by you. Look, look, the most important point is, it is 2021, and we are reading Midnight Sun. My name is Sarah. Oh, that rhymes. I know. Nice. My name (laughs) is Howard Ford Beauregard. Wait, no. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. I'm I'm so... I can't... Like, it's... 
So you came on the Zoom call today, no pretense, didn't text me about it, didn't let me know. But you were like, I just, I finally started listening to King Falls AM. And I was like, oh, really? Oh, you did? And you were like, and I am so disappointed. And I was like, no, fuck, <laughs> she hates it. <laughs> My favorite podcast ever, and she hates it. <laughs> But then you revealed to me that you are disappointed not because you hate it, but because it's very good and also will not be getting an actual ending. Release a write-up telling me what happens after episode 100, or I'm going to have an aneurysm. <laughs> She's only like 40, you're on episode what, 41? Yes. Okay, so uh, <laughs> you just listened to the Christmas episode. Uh, I just listened to Troy's wonderful, wonderful rapping capabilities. <laughs> also, uh, Ben's actually fantastic voice. Yes. Noah James, he is king. We love him. I was just like, where the fuck did this come yeah. from? <laughs> oh, yeah. Noah, Noah James, very talented. I can't. I can't remember who it was, but I looked up the. Uh, I was on the wiki, like looking up because I was trying to find the voice actors, and I saw that either one of the writers or one of the prominent voice actors uh, went to NYU. That is I'm Noah like, James. Noah James Noah was James. in. Okay. Was that he? He went to NYU. I think he went through Tish. Well, yeah, Tish is. Um, well, it depends. Well, yeah, he would have gone through Tish, but he might have been in a different. The musical theater program separate from the yeah. theater program at Tish, yeah, he, so he might not have been in the same program. I'll, uh, I'll have to find a way of, of, of getting you to listen to it, but they did a behind-the-scenes podcast for a while called Beyond the Falls, where they talked about episodes and then they answered questions and stuff. Uh, they answered my question a few times back <laughs> when I was really active on King Falls AM Twitter. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty good. He talked about going to NYU and doing like act, acting exercises and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you're listening to it. I am very sorry that you are. I, I can't believe, like, it's so baffling to me that you are now deciding to listen to it after knowing that it is end ended and not going to get an actual ending. I have no choice. You have no choice? I have no choice. How many followers <laughs> and avid supporters of this show do we have that specifically create podcasts <laughs> related to this show it's funny because a lot of our like really avid listeners came from specifically the king falls am audience oh, was that, the, that was when you did the yeah uh, the zoom they did the, the shout zoom out thing. The zoom call. yeah so yeah. i did this zoom thing uh with kyle brown uh one of the writers on king falls am and a bunch of fans of king falls and on it i talked about the podcast that we were making and a bunch of people followed us from there and still listen to this day and it's it's funny how like interlinked our our show is to king falls without them ever actually have anything to do with each other nothing we need a musical episode oh we could definitely do a musical episode do you people still would... have your keyboard it's in storage i need to get it well you know we both sing Let's say if people could hear my actual singing voice instead of rather my, than you I'm just <laughs> poorly making covering noise. Mark. Yeah, <laughs> it's 
It's it's funny because we talked about our we talked about our choir trip where we sang at Carnegie Hall and stuff. But I don't know if that really translates to the audiences. Like, no, we're both very good singers. <laughs> I told Steffi, I was like, you're going to have to listen to me sing once you're over in the United States. And she's like, I'm sure it's very good. And I'm like, I don't think so. But apparently other people do. <laughs> it does when you're trying. But when you're just fucking around or when we're just in the car and you decide to like add in your own parts to songs, it's, <laughs> it's definitely questionable. It makes me wonder. Like, so it's it's funny because sometimes I'm like, this could almost be good, but I cannot tell if she's joking. <laughs> And see, that's what, I, that's what I want to do. I want to keep you guessing. Yeah, exactly. I keep you on your toes. Sometimes, and don't, guys, don't tell Brandon, but sometimes he'll be singing along to a song, and I think he's just trying to be funny. But then I'm like, hee hee hee, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm singing along to a song. And I'm like, oh no! I've just insulted you! Brandon's a little toned down. A little bit. He improved a lot because for a while he would sing with me in the car, but then he just like decided not to do that anymore. So was it because you laughed at him too much? No, I never laughed at him <laughs> when he was at, when he was like actually trying to sing. Okay, it's just when he sings and it sounds funny. Yeah, part of the problem with uh, with being tone deaf is if you it, it can be cured, but you have to actually like sing. It's so if you if you feel like if you already don't like your voice and you feel embarrassed about singing, you're yes. never going to improve. That's the thing. I've never had an ounce of humility about singing. I sing constantly. I sing in the shower. I sing in the car. I sing while I'm at home. I sing while I'm at work. And people will be like, you have a really lovely voice. And I'm like, thank you. I paid a lot of money for it. A lot of... Uh, I heard it a lot of times when we were going through our years and... And chorus and theater and uh, never that that said a lot is everybody can sing. Everybody, almost can everybody, sing. almost everybody. There are people that are just so tone deaf that there's no improvement. But for most people, if they had proper lessons, yes, they would actually be able to sing. Singing, just like everything, and I I think some people really underestimate it in this way. Singing, just like everything, is a skill. And there are some people who have a higher aptitude at that skill from an earlier stage. And I think that that is where people get the wrong idea about the ability to sing. Because if you have an aptitude for it at a very early age, then that's what you're going to be putting effort into. And people will, you know, invest into your singing capability if you show an aptitude for it at an early age. But if you want to sing... You can. You you do have to put more effort into it if you haven't been practicing for very long. But it's not difficult. I've taught people how to sing. You have to be able to visualize. You have to be able to read. <laughs> and you have to be able to let go of your humility, basically, and just kind of let the notes come out of you. If you focus too hard on hitting certain notes, you're not going to be able to do it. Which is a very odd thing to say. Like, oh, you don't really have to focus to hit the notes. But if you focus too hard, it's... You're not gonna... You're just gonna flounder. You just gotta let it come out. One of the... Easiest parts to do is just having... Is learning how to have an ear for it. Yeah, 
Absolutely. playing notes and matching them because mm-hmm. there's a resonance that is very clear when oh, you yeah. match a note. It's I always and... recommend like I it's like I I've I've been saying this for a very long time is as soon as you can pick out well if you're a, a woman or a person who has a female voice or if you are assigned female at birth. Um once you can pick out C you can do anything. Which is C is a note. Sorry. <laughs> once you can pick out middle C you can sing whatever song you want. You can develop your voice. You can you can learn pretty much anything as soon as you can faithfully pick out middle C. Which is not hard. You just play it a few times on the piano and then you know what it sounds like. And if you're born with male appendages and an unreasonably deep voice for the gender you identify with. Um, you're tough. We've been over this. If you're tough, if you're tough, pace, uh, you cry yourself to sleep over the fact that 99.9999% of music is not written for you to be able to sing. That is true. You ne- you were always a bass. Nobody ever put you in any part other than bass. Not true. I sang tenor for a little bit. You did and... sing tenor for a little bit. You know who else sang tenor for a little bit? Me. Oh. <laughs> Two different sides of the spectrum. Yes, absolutely. I mean, like, similar sides of the spectrum a little bit. Because I was usually, like... I usually went alto. Because I do... I do have... I do have a pretty pretty deep voice. But I also can sing soprano. It's just less... I hate to break it to the sopranos of the world. But less people, typically speaking, can sing alto. It's, it's much easier to sing soprano. Because your head voice is much easier to access. Um, but I, I sang alto, alto two most of the time. And then I would occasionally, yeah, I would occasionally in certain songs sing both. If it was in mixed chorus, I was in both mixed and women's chorus. If I was in mixed, I would occasionally sing both tenor and alto at different points in the song. Everyone's getting a full dose of music. Today. I know. We, I don't. We we got. <laughs> we uh we talked uh, to talked to King Falls AM. Now we're talking music, guys. You're they, really this, getting a glimpse into the things we actually know about. It's their fault. It's King Falls' fault. It is King Falls' fault. Episode. It is the it is the bad times are tough, but not tougher than me of it all. Oh, Benny boy. <laughs> Chapter 16. Oh, shit. Let's actually talk about it's this It's the book. So, Ed does a stalk. Mm-hmm. Charlie does a feel bad for leaving Bella to go fishing. And Ed does a big brood over literally everything and anything bad he can think of. That's, that's basically it. And then they go to the forest with matching clothes. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. It, it, the first half of this chapter was very nothing. Um, yeah. During the hike, we do learn in the last few pages. Oh my god! Bella had a grand total of three pets, all of them goldfish, which she killed. Um. And why did she only have goldfish? Because Renee is allergic. I mean, wait, no, she's not. She just says that she actually just doesn't want to have pets because then she can't go out all the time and 
abandoned responsibility. Yeah. She said that her mom didn't want her to have pets because they liked to travel every single weekend. And all I could think was, like, why don't you just get, like, a small dog that can travel that you can you. take with you? Because we know they're just taking road trips. They're not getting on planes or anything because they don't have money. So, like, just take you your dog with you. You can take a dog, a dog with, you. with you. You don't even have to get a small dog. There's two of you. If you have a car, you can take a big dog with you. Yeah. You remember when we moved to Texas and we had to stop at a hotel so that we could, like, recharge for the night. And uh, we had a dog with us. A little Ruby. She was running around the room. It was, like, the first time you'd ever really met her. <laughs> Fucking psycho. She is insane. But, you know, she's nice. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Bella's Persephone. Again. Is this Percy Jackson? <laughs> and the Olympians? Yeah, that's what Persephone's from. She's from Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Yeah, that's where that's where it came from. You know, they created Zeus for that series, Rick Riordan. Uh he also created uh No, we're not Okay, look, yes, I see that your Zoom background is currently um fuck what is that bisexual Dian uh <laughs> gender fluid uh, gender fluid disaster, disaster uh theater dionysus. kid dionysus and mine is currently moon goddess slayer of sexual assaulters artemis yes that's a different greek mythology that's hades okay we're talking about we're talking about percy jackson <laughs> Okay, because Hades isn't in the Percy Jackson series. Hades they is. They literally go to Hades. It was, I was talking about Hades the video game. Oh, I fucking love that game. I've been playing it again. Yeah, that's why we were talking about our Zoom backgrounds. Because my Zoom background is Dionysus and yours is Artemis. From the game. Artem I fucking love Artemis. Every time she pops up in Hades and talks, she says something that I'm just like... You're amazing. I same with Dionysus. Not to like talk about this, but he he always pops up and he's like, "Oh, dude, it's it's fucking Zag. Oh my god, you're back again. Holy shit, I love him. He's so good." And Artemis is just like, "Zagreus, you seem sane and normal. Please come and save me from this psychotic family." <laughs> it's so good. Well, anyway, that's chapter 16. Um, that's chapter 16. It was very... It made me nothing. hate Renee even fucking more. It's impressive. It just keeps escalating. It does. I am, I am utterly convinced that we are supposed to hate Renee. It's like... And, uh, <sighs> because Ed, like, in this chapter, Bella's talking about her, and Ed's like, it seems like she's trying real hard not to say anything bad about her Yeah, mother. he was like, he, he even says, like, <laughs> she will not say anything negative about her mother. So clearly, clearly, Smyre is aware of how bad this is. So it's like, we ha this has to be intentional that she wants us to hate Renee. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things in this book that I feel are somewhat reactionary to the way that fans perceived this series the first time around. Because she's had, she, got, she had 15 years to putz around with all of the commentary that was being given to her um, when the series was originally published. So 
there's a lot of things in here that like all of the explanations about Renee and all of the clarifications about Edward's feelings and stuff like that. It feels like she's literally responding to people. Like in the original series, she wa- Renee wasn't was depicted as being scatterbrained, but like her personification wasn't meant to be negative. Like we weren't meant to hate her. It's just like the things that she said were unknowingly terrible but then in this i feel like she's saying like no you guys are right like the way that renee acted was terrible and here's even more let me just feed this fucking fire um anyway chapter 17 uh bella runs at edward because she thinks he's like burning or something uh but he's not so she stops she looks at this him. This is because they're, they're in the They're in the meadow, meadow now, yes. <laughs> he had stepped out into the sunlight at the end of chapter 16. But you didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't something new. Yeah. She looks at him for a while and thinks he's pretty, which is terrifying to him because he thinks he's grotesque, which for the millionth time, I don't understand why. Um, he wants to eat her, so he sits down to control himself and finally calms down. 2,364 of her heartbeats. Now, I I did the math, and at 60 beats per minute, because he does say that her heartbeat was very calm, um, 2,364 heartbeats, 40 minutes. I didn't, I honestly, like, I, I considered doing it, but I didn't feel like putting the effort in at the time he sits there in complete silence for 40 minutes (laughs) i've read about like people uh commenting on in books when characters are like we sat there for minutes of silence staring at each other after, like, something big happens or, like, somebody says something important. And people come in and they're like, okay, books say this all the time, but have you ever actually just sat there in silence looking at somebody else's eyes for minutes on end because something tense happened or awkward? Mm-hmm. I, so, no. I, so, um, <laughs> I have laid in bed beside my lovely groom and gazed long into his eyes for probably like 45 seconds. (laughs) It it gets weird after a little, like being next to somebody and being silent Mm -hmm. is not weird depending on the But when you're like looking into their eyes. It gets really fucking weird after a short amount of time. And this being next to somebody for 40 minutes in total silence on your first date yeah really it is odd and it is (laughs) uncomfortable i like was i was sitting there laughing hysterically when that happened there was some part i don't remember what part it was but there was some part that i was like brandon i have to read this to you and i read it to him and he was just like was it him making a topographical Half of the entire region. I didn't even include that in here because in that mind. pissed me off so much. 
Um, he thinks about a bunch of shit to distract himself before Bella talks again. And like that, a topographical yes, map. Like, he's like trying to map and count how many bugs are in the area and like comparing that to like how many bugs are in a certain national park because he knows how big the meadow is. And he's like, okay, well, if I know how big the meadow is, it's exactly 11,322 square feet. Um, I was just like, dude. Okay, look, I do shit like this, but on a much smaller scale. Uh So to an extent, I get it. But, like, this is insane. Yes. (laughs) Anyway. She touches his arm. number things with license plates, okay? Yes. (laughs) She touches his arm, and he's all about it. Until she gets too close, and he almost eats her again. He gives his cringy speech about how easy it would be to kill her, but then swears he won't. You were there the first time. You know what we're talking about. The... As if you could outrun me. Run me. As if As you, you could you fight, me, fight off. me off. I'm Batman. Wait. Where's Rachel? Where's Rachel? Where is she? I was playing D&D the other day, and we were trying to interrogate someone, and one of our players rolled badly, and so instead of asking him an actual, the like, the guy we were interrogating an actual, actual question, he punched him in the face and said, Where's Rachel? <laughs> oh my god, if I ever... I'm a DM. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a part where they have where the characters have to find somebody named Rachel that's been kidnapped. Yeah, and I'll get oh, it, God. but I won't say anything until someone else does. Um, Edward thinks back on when he came home from being a vigilante and was expecting Carlisle and Esme to be pissed at him, only for them to be super kind, welcoming, and forgiving of his past crimes. It's sweet, but very predictable and. Carlisle yeah, doesn't reprimand him. It would have been better if Carlisle him. slapped the shit out of him. It, I would have been like, whoa! It would have been better if Carlisle had expressed welcome, but also disdain, disappointment, at least some inclination that he has emotions other than just, I love my family. You ever watched Fruits Basket? No, I have not. There's a scene very early on in which uh, one of the characters makes an ass of himself and he often fights with another character and so he he looks at the other character he's like aren't you gonna hit me another character's like sometimes it hurts more not to get hit mm-hmm. and that that feels like the entirety of ed's existence yeah is nobody ever holding him accountable but instead of ending up thinking he can do whatever he wants because he's never held accountable, he holds himself mm-hmm. accountable forever because nobody else will do it. Yes, and he he he, you, you know what? That's an actually really great point. If Carlisle had reprimanded him in some way, he might not feel as eternally guilty as he now does because he would have felt like he had received penance, like he would have felt like he had actually been held to some kind of standard rather than always feeling like you're not going to punish the fact that I acted like a monster. I don't understand. On his shoulders, every crime he has ever committed or believes he has committed at all times. Yes. And it's because he's never had to face any responsibility for them. So he still feels like his debt is unpaid. 
oh my god that is incredible i love it when we just randomly say shit that i'm just like oh this is revolutionary (laughs) this is exactly it it's like when we circled back to the the genesis thing at the end of breaking dawn and i was like oh do you know what that reminds me of i felt so intelligent it felt like actual literary review rather than us just being like god fuck edward (laughs) no we didn't get what we didn't get lilith reaching down from the tree in this book and that's disappointing i know which sucks because like i mean that was always purely a movie thing but it was really fucking good in the movie so good i wish that i could recapture some that kind of imagery and something else but it will always be associated with edward and bella for me i'll work on it okay thank you Uh, So Edward confronts his desires and reconciles the part of himself that are violent and flawed with the part of himself, with the parts of himself that he sees as being good, which is actually some incredible character development because he spends the entirety of the first part of the book associating his thirst with some unnamed, unknowable monster. And he refuses to acknowledge the fact that that monster is just part of who he is. And in this moment, he decides that he has flaws and he needs to accept them because that is part of who he is and the good parts are not removed purely because he has bad parts and bad parts are only bad if you let them be bad yeah his thirst is only a bad thing if he decides to act on it and kill Bella. Yeah, the thirst... Otherwise, it's just a reality. It's just like how the church preaches about homosexuality, where they're like, it's not a sin to be gay, but it is a sin to have gay sex. (laughs) It's not a... It is a sin to stick your penile extrusion into the gaping maw of another man's asshole. It is not a sin to... Theorize and fantasize about sodomy. (laughs) But to sodomize is to demonize. You can think about getting your prostate tickled. (laughs) But do not accept the pickle. (laughs) We could lead a fucking youth group. (laughs) (laughs) I would end myself. Uh, anyway, (laughs) uh, he decides that he's made it through the knot, um, because he and Bella are supposed to be together and he is incapable of being the one to kill her. They do a kiss and he's all flustered. And I actually found it to be quite sweet because he spends several pages being like, I want to kiss her, but I need to make it right. It needs to be correct. I have to do it in the right way. And then in the moments before he does it, he's like, he describes the way he's like trying to like awkwardly position himself in front of her. And I found it to be quite sweet. Adulthood. Absolutely. (laughs) So chapter 18. It's time for the drive home. And Ed tells Bella about family history, but that's basically all just shit that we learned about in Twilight. Where it gets interesting are his thoughts. Yes. Because that's where we learn shit. So we learn that his first connection with Rosalie, when he actually thought of her, 
as a sister and not just another annoying being that he despised being near him. Yes. Um, was when she brought Emmett back and was uncharacteristically desperate for him to be saved and could not communicate this to Carlisle. So Ed, reading her mind, communicated, communicated it to Carlisle for her. Yeah. And Carlisle's like, I, I'm going to change him. And Ed just took her down, down by the river. And I don't want to say had a talk because it was very long was because of... they stayed down there the entire time that Emmett was changing, which is roughly three days. But he said a lot of it was just her, him reading her mind. So it's like, it wasn't he, exactly a conversation, but it was. Yeah, essentially it was that it was things that she didn't really feel like she could say, but things that she wanted him to know. Um, and, and, it was yeah. pretty, I liked it, but it doesn't, like, I don't know. It, like, doesn't help. Like, it didn't help anything to know that part of her. She's trying, she's trying now to redeem Rosalie, and it's just like, it doesn't redeem what she's there's a little moment in the next chapter that made me does yes a little bit a little bit but she's still a reprehensible bitch yeah and it's only because it contradicts something that ed basically went unreliable narrator on us yes at one point which i i didn't anticipate because he has mind reading capabilities yeah. so i just expected that what he was telling us was the truth Yes. But apparently not. If Bella is going to be an unreliable narrator, I did expect Ed to have all the pieces, you know? I didn't expect it to be a situation where we were having to backtrack and take back something he had previously said. Yeah, real fucking weird. Unless it was, like, something he thought about Bella. Because at that point, yeah, he can't read her mind, so I expect him to get things wrong. But yeah, anything else, I expect for his assessments to be correct. Yes. So it's really fucking weird. But we'll get to that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> So Alice's entrance to the family was more interesting. Because we previously knew she just showed up one day with Jasper and was like, hi, we're here. Apparently, she planned it by choosing the most effective time to show up, which is when... Emmett and Ed wouldn't be there, mm -hmm. which left the family without most of their fighters. And so then they popped in then and were like, hey, we're going to be part of the family. And so Emmett and Ed pop back up. Emmett immediately wants to fight because he sees Jasper covered in scars and is like, oh, you're a bad person. Yeah. And Alice just attacks Ed with love. And then he reads her mind and sees all of her experiences that she's already seen them having together in the future and introduces her to Emmett. So it's, he's like, she already loves him because of everything she's seen. And then he goes through every all of that in her brain, making him then be... Like her brother, it's it's this really weird concept with it where within a moment of meeting, they're already their relationships already established, just because of the powers they have allowing it to happen. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I feel like it would it would make more sense for him to be like, okay, like clearly you've got something going on, but him to still like have questions, him yeah. still be a little bit nervous about it. But he was just immediately like, uh, "This is Alice, and this is Jasper. They're part of our family now." 
I think one of the hardest parts is because he specifically says in these chapters that he doesn't if he doesn't feel what people feel. Yes. When he is in their memories, which is very or when he's in their minds, which is very important because he doesn't feel Alice's feelings and if he did, it would be easier to understand why he would then immediately feel the same thing but because he's only seeing what she saw in all her visions it takes out a, a, a big part of it is the emotions that you feel through your experiences with the yeah. person not just the act of visualizing yourself experiencing things with a person. she also didn't like say that what she was what he was seeing was her visions of the future like, it, it, I, I feel like he should have just been like, this doesn't make any sense. What is going on? But for some reason, he's just like, okay, I guess we're, like, we love each other and we're brother and sister now. It's, it's something that I, I really like the idea. I really like the concept behind it. It's just some of the details in the execution on this, I'm not... Yeah. It's like she wants it to be beautiful and mystical and for everything just to kind of fall into place like perfect destiny. But like that's not how human beings really function. And like there would be a lot more questions being asked. Yeah. Anyway, so after this stuff, uh, it's just that they go home and Bella eats casserole with her dad. And Charlie literally detaches Bella's battery cables in her truck because he thinks she's going to sneak out because she seems so energetic but is insistent that she's going to sleep. Yeah. Um, Also, apparently, Ed can hear them eating downstairs and he's like, they're pouring drinks too thick to be water. I think it's milk. And I'm like, are people drinking milk with their... Italian casserole. You gotta remember, this is 2005. This was the height of the Got Milk campaign. Everybody was fucking drinking milk. That's so fucking gross, though. I know. Why would you drink milk with... Imagine drinking milk with spaghetti. That's nasty. It's That's fucking nasty. I mean, if you can separate two different flavors from each other, I don't... I like I wouldn't do it. But I don't think I'm not I don't have as strong a reaction to it as you do. I have a very strong reactions to to flavors and textures and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah. I know. Yeah. There was a deep freezer in our apartment that was just full of Tyson chicken nuggets. <laughs> I have sensory you ever heard about for the listeners? You ever hear about people where they have like safe foods? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's me. I'm not I, calling I you out. It's just uh, I I just remembered I had a visceral memory of you yeah. having a deep freezer in our dining room just full of chicken nuggets. I try, but it just it doesn't work. I, don't I know. know. I like I want to like more things, but it just my my senses say no. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> So yeah, Ed is jealous of Mike, though admittedly he knows it is completely unjustified. Yeah. 
and <coughs> then Bella asks him about being together as in getting married or having sex. He actually Bo. says it! He actually oh, says yeah, he it! He does say sex. He, he and, does oh, say he sex. Says, he says, he says, he says, he says. I did not use the word sex because she did not. So all of this comes down to the fact that Bella would never say the word sex. And Edward's like, I can say the word sex, but she's not. So I don't want to make her uncomfortable. And now we know. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. And I feel like, I feel like that is another thing that was in there as like a reaction to fan fans being like, why do you never say the word sex in the entirety of the Twilight series? You missed your cue. I missed my cue? Yeah. What was my cue? I said knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. <laughs> you expect me to know anything about G.I. Joe? I've been saying that for years. <laughs> it's from old G.I. Joe. Okay, even if you don't know G.I. Joe, you don't know G.I. Joe PSAs? No. Oh my god, I need to show you G.I. Especially the uh, the ones where they take them and they dub over them. It's like watching Sword Art Online abridged, but it's G.I. Joe PSAs from the 80s. Can we continue? Yeah, chapter 19. Okay. <laughs> um, Ed decides to introduce Bella to his family and goes home to prep Rosalie and ask her to be nice. They actually have a really nice conversation in which we find out Rosalie might not actually trade Emmett for being human again because she thought the thought of it makes her unhappy. Essentially, he asks her to visualize if Emmett was a vampire and Rosalie was a human in Bella's position, would she be able to walk away from becoming a vampire in order to live her human life? And she and when he describes it, it's he's basically like she wants to be able to walk away, but she still isn't able to because she loves Emmett. And it was good. I like that. I like that we're getting that insight into her character because it does make a lot more sense as to, you know, why she, you know, stays with the family, basically, because she does really love Emmett. And she does and really why Emmett care. hasn't left her ass. Exactly. Because he, she but really does care. Then it just goes back to like, okay, Ed, you literally said before she would give up Emmett to be human again. Why did you say that when you can literally read her mind yes. if that's not the case? And, uh, but so here's the thing. I feel like in moments of anger, she has probably insinuated that she would do anything to become human again, including giving up Emmett. And when Edward proposes that question to her, he does think it's like a slam dunk because she's like, she's going to want you to be human or she's going to want to be uh, to be a vampire. And he's like, I mean, if you want to live a whole human life, then it's easy to like walk away from that situation. I mean, if you were in Bella's position and Emmett was in my position, would you walk away? And he basically asks that as a dunk, like as being like, yeah, you know, you'd walk away. Fuck you. You'd walk away because you love being human more than you love Emmett. And then he sees in her head that she's like, no. Yes. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I appreciated it because it did it yeah. did add a little bit more depth. 
Um, anyway. Uh, she essentially says what she said in Eclipse to Bella, but explains... Uh, but explains how hard it's going to be to watch Bella make the decision to become a vampire when she doesn't truly realize everything she's giving up. He talks to Alice, insists Bella won't become a vampire, then goes back to Bella's. And something that Alice says in this part really got me because she was like, she asked Edward if he had ever said no to Bella when they were talking about the fact that Bella was going to ask to be a vampire. And he was like, no, I won't allow it. And she was like, well, Edward made some insinuation that he was going to try to convey something to Bella. I don't remember exactly what it was, but then Alice was like, has Bella ever said no to you? And he was like, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. And then like later in the conversation, he was like, she's not going to become a vampire, even if she asks me to make her a vampire. And Alice was like, have you ever said no to Bella? And it like, it, it lays the seeds of what will become their relationship later in the series. Um, yeah, he said no to that pussy a lot. He does say no to that pussy a lot. But in his defense, he says no because he thinks he's going to kill her. <clears throat> so what we're hearing is Ed does not support assisted suicide. No. I don't think he would. I don't think Stephanie Meyer probably supports assisted suicide. Shame on you, Ed. (laughs) Steffi, (laughs) I tweeted a little while ago. I was like, if you ever really want to get out of a conversation, just bring up assisted suicide and everybody will suddenly uncomfortably leave and you will not have to continue the conversation. And Steffi was like, yeah, in the middle of my thesis co- uh, presentation, I'm just, <laughs> when someone starts to ask me a question, I'm just going to be like, anyway, I think we should legalize assisted suicide. <laughs> I expected it to be like just in the middle of her thesis. <laughs> I run out of area for discussion here. Uh, uh... Assisted suicide. <laughs> what does this have to do with RNA and antibody. I don't know. <laughs> it was just so funny the way she was like, all right, I've got a solution to my problem. <laughs> all right. Uh, so Bella has breakfast and Edward invites her to meet the fam. He kisses her and she passes out as per usual. Uh, they go back to the house where Bella gets to meet everyone officially. Carlisle is nice. Esme is obsessed with her. Alice is overly excited. Jasper does too well at calming everyone down. And Rose and Emmett just aren't around. Edward briefly panics because Bella seems annoyed he can play the piano. (laughs) And I said, (laughs) I quoted him, uh, did she have a yet undiscovered prejudice against pianists? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, Edward is about to come out with, uh, don't you test me, no, just because I play, the, play the piano, piano doesn't, doesn't mean, mean I, I am not, not willing to take, take you, down. you down. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we, One of the best lines on that dance. Yes. Um, but here we also get a hint at the rogue vampires who will supposedly arrive the following evening. Um, 
Ed shows her around the house and tells her Carlisle's story. So we actually get a little drop of uh, info on this one about the fact that the rogue vampires are going to be showing up. And Edward's like, oh, man, I'm going to have to be, like, super protective of Bella because I'm going to be too scared to let her out of my sight. He's basically like, oh, this is going to be such a chore. Because he, he's not afraid of the vampire. He's not afraid of the rogue vampires. It, insofar as he doesn't believe it's going to become the fucking massive issue that it is. He just thinks like, oh man, I'm going to have to like find a way to get her out of town or I'm just going to have to be annoyingly protective of her for a little while. But uh. I will say there's been almost no acknowledgement of the murders going on. Well, that were acknowledged in the original Twilight, which is interesting because he kind of made a point that, like, they don't pay much attention. So, if you remember, that detail was actually a movie-exclusive detail. The, like, the background, like, oh, there's murders happening, was actually a detail from Eclipse that then, of course, makes it into the Eclipse movie. But they added that, like, background of us seeing the rogue vampires terrorizing Forks in the movie. It's not in the book. Well, because they still talk about because there's all the uh, animals that keep getting killed, too, isn't there? No. Or not the animals getting killed. The animals getting... Wait, hold on. That's in New Moon. That's New Moon. Oh, shit. I'm mixing yeah. the books now. The rogue vampires just show up out of nowhere in Twilight. There is no indication that this is going to happen. I thought Charlie talked to Bella about the newspaper. That was in the movie. I'm telling you. That was in the movie? I'm telling you. It's only in the movie. Because remember, his his best friend gets killed. Because he didn't want her to go to Seattle. Yeah, it was just because he didn't want her to go to Seattle by herself. He thought it was dangerous. Yeah, because she's a 17-year-old girl going by herself several cities away. Huh. It's brought up again in Eclipse that he doesn't want her to go to Seattle, but that's because they believe there's a bunch of gang murders happening. Gang murders. <laughs> well, my brain's broken. Okay. It's okay. This is a lot of pages that we've read. Too many. Um, and yet we're going into a chapter that I'm fairly, fairly certain Smire did not write because it is very short. Yes. It is like less than 10 pages and I cannot express how grueling it was to get through most of this reading because chapter 17, wait, chapter 18, no, it was 17 was 40 pages long yes this reading this week was 120 pages for five chapters and 40 pages were chapter 17 and chapter 18 or 19 was also like 30 to 40 pages it was like she just forgot what chapters were yeah i, I think we said before, like the meadow scene was one of the best scenes in the original book but here it turned into a painful. It was extremely ex hard to get through. I, oh god! It was exhausting. Oh. I was like, "Dear God, are we still in this scene?" Overcorrection, Smire. Overcorrection. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, chapter, chapter twenty. 
very short. So she tell uh, Ed tells Bella about uh, Carlisle and his origin and the well not his origin because that was the last chapter, but like his time in Italy with the Volturi and Protori. Apparently. Apparently, uh, and he remembers his rebellious days and the one innocent person quote he ever unquote. killed. Um, so there was a, ch- yeah, quote unquote. If the if you couldn't hear it in my, clearly in my voice, there's a quote around innocent there. Um, he spent literally yeah. weeks watching this guy who was having thoughts about kidnapping, and it's danced around not not said outright but uh insinuated he wants to rape and then kill this little five or six year old girl so the killing's only because he has to do it to cover up his crime um and the guy very much doesn't want to do it but is compelled to do it by some instinct i don't it's weird I guess maybe I, I, I can't understand it because I don't have these impulses. Yeah. Um, but apparently he both hates it and wants it. Um, and so Ed spends weeks watching him, waiting for him to like make the decision to do it. And then the night the guy finally goes to the, win- the little girl's window, Ed just hijacks him up onto the roof and kills him. Before he can actually do anything to the girl. And so the guy hadn't actually committed a crime yet. He was on his way to doing it, though. Yeah, but I... It's semantics, really, that Ed's playing with. So it's like, yeah, I guess he's technically innocent. He was was guilty-adjacent. Yeah, he was, like, innocent by the standards of the law. Yeah. It's like if you kill someone as they raise their gun to murder someone else. Yeah, it's... Like, you yeah. didn't actually kill an innocent person. It, it You killed someone who was, a te- who was about to commit dead. About to commit dead. Now, okay. So, first of all, the guy is, is happy with Ed for doing it to him. Which definitely helps Ed. But there are two big things to take out of this section. One, I do. Ed calls the guy a both a victim and a criminal. Or a victim and. He doesn't say criminal. So basically, yeah. bad guy and good guy. He's or victim and bad guy. Um, and he's a victim because of his impulses that he can't control. And this is far too close to. I had to rape her territory for me to be comfortable with. Um, I know there are people out there who are sexually attracted to children who are not pedophiles, who choose not to act on these impulses. Who get professional help. Yes. To deal with those impulses. And that, that I can sympathize with because that's, Sounds absolutely terrible, especially uh-huh. when you know how awful it is. I cannot sympathize with somebody who apparently has an uncontrollable impulse. You can control your impulse in yes. that regard. You you have control over yourself. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. It is your body. It is your mind. 
now, if you have a violent mental illness like schizophrenia or something like that, there is there is something to be said that it is incredibly difficult to control your impulses because you are disconnected from reality. But that's not the case for this gentleman. No, this is very clearly a person who is entirely sane but has a very severe problem but is entirely capable yeah. otherwise of controlling It's also the fact impulses. that he was, like, hyper-fixated on this one child. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if he was just someone who generally was like, God, I'm attracted to children and I can't, like, oh, God. And he was, like, disgusted and, like, he couldn't stop himself or whatever from, like, fa- having those fantasies and stuff. I would have more sympathy, but this guy just feels like a psychopath who was, like, yeah. hyper fixated on this one little girl that he wanted to <laughs> assault and murder. Yeah, this is, uh, this is heinous heinous absolutely this not not cool uh the one other thing to take from this section that is significantly less heinous is that ed when he talks about the fact that he committed this murder and a bunch of other murders actually admits that he doesn't have a problem with the individual actions he took yes it's a more an issue with the fact that he was committing murder not the people he murdered. It's it definitely feels more like to me. It's it comes down to why he's committing the murders. Yes, it's not the fact that he is killing these people to stop them from harming others. It's that he's doing it partially to feed himself. To feed himself. If there was nothing for him to gain out of it, I think he would bo- be bothered by it a lot less. Yeah, absolutely. Because it it definitely just seems like he's like I do not feel guilt over the individual cases. I inevitably saved a lot of people's lives by doing these things. He feels more and the guilty world is a that better he place. betrayed his ideals and was feeding himself by doing these acts. You know, exactly. if he had just been snapping these dudes' necks and leaving them on the ground, then he would definitely not feel as bad. And you know what? Good for him. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Sorry. Good for him. <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> like, and I, I understand this this mindset a lot more now. Not that I entirely, I understand it. I don't necessarily agree with it still, but like, I get it. I'm like, okay, I, I, I have a better grasp of why you feel the way you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Now it's, they, they run to Ed's room for playtime and, and then it's Alice and Jasper show up and they're like, it's baseball time. And apparently Jasper is having emotion orgasms. Yeah. Uh. he's like in the room with them and he's like he just it's like Jasper just loves being able to feel our feelings while we're just so happy together it's like a high for him and I'm like this is fucking weird bro it is very weird (laughs) I can appreciate that we're getting insight into the way that other people's feelings affect Jasper because it's interesting Yeah, but it is odd it's weird it's like it's not it's not it's not bad weird in terms of like the narrative it's just weird all right moving on to chapter one of maximum ride oh yeah because we're done with midnight sun right we don't need to read any more midnight oh, totally, sun we can move totally, on there's nothing left. we can move on to chapter one it opens with a warning it opens with a you have to keep reading this book kind of warning oh we have to yeah no i 
is it is it a is it a moral imperative or is it like warning if you dare to read this story you become part of the experiment i know that sounds a little mysterious but it's all i can say right now that's not actually how i thought it was beginning i think that's the the start of the fourth book is so James Patterson is not going to come to my house and hold a gun to my head until I finish the book. <laughs> no, what you're telling no. Me. Um, I'm excited because look at the size of this book. Com- <laughs> compared, <laughs> this is this is not Midnight Sun. This is Twilight, but still, Midnight Sun is bigger. So <laughs> look at that. Guys, I, I don't know if you can tell, but we are quite excited to read Maximum Ride. I'm actually going to go through it probably over the weekend and figure out, like, our structure. Because I think I've told you before that some of the chapters are, like, one page long and others are, like, ten pages long. So we're not going to be able to... We're going to have to go, like, page division. Yeah, it's going to be, like, page division, but then, like, we'll finish a chapter if it's, like, too much. I think we could probably... I You know what? We could probably afford to slow roll Maximum Ride a little bit. Rather than trying to get through like a quarter of the book in every episode because there's just so much of it. So if we wanted to do five episodes for this, then you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as daunting of a task as reading a hundred and twenty pages of Midnight Sun. God. Alternatively, we could just make it through the books that much faster too. We could. It's you know what Girl. we can decide all that later. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at 2020 Twilight Pod. M is at M of many names, and I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020 Twilight Pod. Send us an email at literarymasterspod at gmail.com. Uh, please send us a message pretty much anywhere. Uh, our DMs are open on Twitter. Um, my DMs are open on Twitter. Emmys are open on Twitter. I know that sometimes people feel the need to like reach out specifically to one of us. We're always happy to hear from you. I'm chronically on the internet, so I I will respond to you in an embarrassingly short amount of time. Embarrassing. And Emmy is bad at responding to texts, so it may be I, a few minutes. I will respond. Yes, she will respond. <laughs> But give her a few minutes, you know? I just need time to get my mind together. <laughs> Next week we'll be reading chapters 21 through 25 of Midnight Sun. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to it because there, the, the, there, we've got nine chapters left, but the amount of book that's left is, like, not a whole lot. So I'm just anticipating pain. Yeah, but we're almost done. We're almost there. We'll see you all do next Do not. Week. I say do not tickle the pickle. Oh my god. Goodbye. See you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>